Welcome to Let It Ride with True North, the podcast where we interview people in trucking. Whether they're drivers, family, or simply in the industry, we are here to spotlight them and their experiences. I'm Milan, the Community Engagement Manager here at True North, and together with my colleague Maddie, we'll bring you real conversations and stories you won't find anywhere else on the road. Let's ride. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the very first episode of the podcast. On the show today, we have two drivers that have been with True North almost from the beginning. They're here to talk about the trucking community and team driving. Jason and Lee, thank you so much for being here. Hello. Jason, let's start with you. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you were doing before you started? I was a prison guard at the biggest prison in the state of Texas. I did that until I couldn't stand it no more. And then I was a uh, crane operator at a big plant that produced the uh, world's largest front-end loaders. And did that, and everything was up and down, slow, wasn't much overtime, and I was wanting to spread my wings. And they had an old an old Mack truck sitting out there that it still ran, but they used it just around the facility and everything. And I was like, man, I've always been interested in big trucks. I'd like to get into it. And there was a guy that I worked with. He was the lead man. And he was like, man, I drove a truck for so many years. Still have my CDL. He said, man, you can do it. And I started talking to me about it. And I ended up going to a school. Wow. So this March, I've, I've been driving a truck for 23 years. 14 of it was at the same company started driving whenever I was 23, hauled lots of equipment, oversized equipment, lots of miles under my belt. How many miles do you have, do you know? Miles? Yeah. Oh, Lord. Probably, I'd say working on three million. Wow. From my limited experience of truck driving, I feel like that's a pretty high number. Yes, probably in, in some years more than others. Some years your tongue's hanging out. You can't look up. You've been, and I, I can say, and not in a bad way, with True North, I actually drive a little bit less and I'm more comfortable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, is that okay to say? Oh, that's okay to say. Okay. Yeah, that's the truth. Lee, can you tell us a little bit about your background? How long have you been driving? Let's do some comparative research on how many miles that we drive. When I first got out of the uh, the military, I worked as a OB tech at a a hospital in on the maternity ward in Tyler, and when before that I worked at a doctor's office, just a clinic, and then then I started driving a truck, and then I tried working uh, as an office manager for a while. And it just wasn't, it wasn't cutting it. My, my father had passed away. And then though I had to, you know, step up a little bit financially because I've taken care of my mother. So I started to drive local. So it basically was a 12 hour shift and was just changing with the driver. And then they kept canceling the loads, canceling loads. So it was uh, a week that I had off because they didn't have a load for me. And then Jason had called me and goes, I need you to come ride with me. And I was like, cool. I walked in there, told him, I said, look, I got to go. See y'all later. And started, you know, teaming with him. So I've been with True North since of October of uh, 2020. 
And so probably you're looking at just on average, 19 years of it was team driving. So it might have been in a truck the whole time, but I wasn't, you know, actually driving. So it was probably close to about well, 1.8, you know, million to 2 million miles, you know, because you figure you're in a truck normally, even mm-hmm. with team, you look at doing about four, that's about 3,500 miles. A week, even though I was only responsible for half those miles. But then mm-hmm. I team drove for about 19 years. Wow. So, yeah, yeah, that's a lot already. That seems like a lot of driving. I want to talk about the community of truck drivers and how you can get community in what people would call a loner job. How long have you guys known each other? And how did you become friends in this industry? Was it, did you know each other beforehand? Did you know each other because you started driving together and met on the road? Like, how did that relationship start to build? We drove together. Once he was, had to pick him up, had to meet uh, him, another driver in Jackson, Mississippi. And we had to swap out. He climbed in my truck and we had a good time, had a good run. And then, and then through an, another mutual friend and we, and actually just started out. And the next thing you know, we had each other's phone number. And then we started talking more and visiting and getting to know each other because that's what you spend a lot of time just talking on the phone. So you're not in the truck by yourself. Oh, yeah, it's definitely not just a work relationship. That is how we met was at work and now family functions and Christmas and stuff like that. That's how we are. We went from being employees to being friends to now we consider each other family. Please brother to me. At True North, there's a lot of us that are groups that went from place to here, and those other groups are now intermingling with us. And it, it, you know, it's just like a plant. You feed it and it grows. Who was the first to join True North? I was the first one. Shannon got started before I did, and then then I came on, and then, then Richard. Hey, Richard, did he come on about the same time, or right before I did too, or right after? Kim and Shannon were in the same class. So he was truck number 15. Mine's 35. Okay. Yeah, so you had a little I'm bit. I'm number 15. I don't... Still, like, top 50 pretty early on, for sure. Yes. Hey, guys, this is Maddie. Lee, what did you think when Jason was talking about joining? Like, before you knew uh, anything about True North? It's just like in, in anything else. It's the not knowing or the, the unknown. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you because know, I was at another company, and I had just got an in-frame done on my truck. I'd just been off pretty much for four weeks and had my truck, my motor rebuilt, and, you know, was trying to get back into, you know, a little bit of a positive, you know, cash flow. And then he was just like, man, I'm doing this. I'm like, I do wish you the best. So at first I wasn't considering it, then, and then I realized, man, eh, why not? I trust him. So he's put a lot of thought in it, and then he did not try to talk anybody into it he was just like hey this is awesome i'm really enjoying it this and that and then so we went on from there and then i was like, talked to tom and so uh, let's give this a shot it sounds like you guys like created your own sense of community within just the few drivers that you knew you talk about shannon and richard and a few others how does a driver create that sense of community how do you go about uh making friends in the industry this came naturally. <laughs> so it's kind of hard to, for me, to pinpoint. It came pretty naturally. I don't know, Jason, how do you feel about it? 
Yeah, whenever you have a <clears throat> whenever you have a good group of friends and we're all drivers and we all feed off of each other. And we're not in it for ourselves. You know what I mean? We're not it's just not like we're if we see something good or see something we want to see the others our other friends yeah. do good. We talk. And Jason has had to say this to our higher ups and then not to make it come out as like a threat. But if they say something and they're like, look, we all look after each other and we move as a group. So unless you want to lose five of us, this might need to be looked at. That's not uh, not meant to be a threat, but it's the way it goes. If it's not going, then we'll start looking. We're like, okay, man, I found this. What do y'all think? And they think we'll be like dragging up. Yeah. It seems like there's a, a sense of solidarity as well. Once you're making money you really want someone else to make money but also if you are feeling good about this place you really want somebody else yeah. to feel good about it as well absolutely because we were making money where we were mm-hmm. don't get me wrong we were making money but it's not just about the money it's about how am i how am i going to be treated you know and that's what i was real worried about because you don't know i'm working on two years now august will be two years and it was the best move that I've made. The other places we were at, we were a number. And that's another big factor. I haven't been an owner-operator long. Don't have a lot of different companies that I've worked for. It's more of a sense of family. Um, talking to almost anybody that I have spoken to, from Jen to, to the low whatever. Even if you're just fussing, to be a fussy, they'll listen. But if you have a valid point, they'll actually listen to and address it. And without just blowing you off, at least you feel that you were heard. Like I have to call in and do something. I don't have to say, hey, truck number 35, Lee Hockett, truck number 35, da, da, da. I don't have to do that. I call in and say, hey, this is Lee Hockett. And they're like, hey, Lee. Boom. So Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's a big thing. Well, that's interesting because I think a lot of people see you as a driver to be a lone wolf. Do you feel like you fit that description? Because it seems like you guys are running in a pack. We are. Yeah, we, yeah, we do feed off of each other. And I guess as a whole, we're all lone wolves in appearance. So going road and look, there's that poor guy. He's not there with his family and this and that. We lean on each other quite a bit. They listen to the radio. Sirius XM, that's a godsend. You know, it's a, like a lot of people, they started listening to that. That's when the everybody stopped listening, to, you know, to radios and because you just uninterrupted music, comedy, everybody. We have a, a, a friend in our group that he don't uh, call us. And I think he's kind of semi-loner type thing, but he won't talk near as much because he'll just drive and handle his business and talk to his family. And then he may talk to us for a couple hours out of the day where... We've been on the phone off and on pretty much the whole shift. Yeah, so. Wow. Do you guys just yeah. let it run? You guys just are on the phone for hours at a time, even if you have nothing to say? Oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And like five minutes goes by. Is anybody there? Yeah, I'm here. All right. We do that. It's stupid. It's like somebody's sitting next to you, but you're not saying anything. That's Sometimes that's how it is. Sometimes it's just being ugly to each other in a jokingly way just to pass the time or or telling old stories or how we do. And it's just nice to have something to do. And there's people that maybe new people that are introduced to our group 
And as they're getting into it, they're like, man, I used to never talk on the phone. Now I've got to be on the phone hanging out with y'all. I can't go an hour without wanting to call y'all. That's just how it is. And like Lee said, there's some people that's not what they want. Or I get tired of it too. I'm like, man, I gotta go phone. Y'all are bothering me. Y'all are annoying me. I think it's Mm -hmm. great. I think you guys should have a podcast. (laughs) Like it seems like you guys already have hours of entertainment. Oh my gosh. It'd have to be an adult. (laughs) podcast because it gets pretty raunchy it gets pretty raunchy sometimes but uh now we have fun we have fun and we pass time and as far as relying on each other and it could be something as simple as so shannon he, he got a, a phone holder he's like man this worked out really good i put this little deal together and it holds my phone i don't have to mess with it instead of it just sitting on the floor or whatever and i've got my gps here now it's not on the windshield just different things like hey man maybe i need to try that just giving each other different ideas or just different things that make your life easier for being out here because it's not always easy matter of fact lee can tell you my motto is make the best of it bad situation make the best of it by yourself with somebody else broke down or delayed on receiving or delivering or whatever. Let's park, let's go grab a steak and kick back for a couple hours, maybe go grab a movie or something like that. Just different things to, to entertain and keep you from being bored to tears. Go bowling. Go bowling. <laughs> go bowling, yeah, DJ and I went bowling the other day. We had some downtime. I got there almost two days early and DJ was, he was early to his delivery, and Lee had found us a place. Like, hey, man, here's this Petro here. Pretty big, pretty nice. They've got a bowling out. I said, what? I said, man, I'm going bowling. And it was basically off. Got us a shower, got us a nice meal, and we bowled three or four games and enjoyed it. Just got to get out of this truck sometimes to where you can last. You get out of your mind and get out of just where everything is a truck. Do you guys ever meet up at a location yep. and just hang out? Yep. Cool. That happened the other day. He, he was at a rest area, and and uh, I was like, you know what? I can go ahead and take my break. And and it was short and sweet. Went in, used restroom. We talked for a little bit. Hey, buddy, good to see you. Hadn't seen you. We talk every day, but I hadn't seen him in whatever, a month or so. And hey, good to see you. Gave each other a hug got back at it but yeah it's not something where you have time to to sit there and do this and that and play pool and everything but there are times where it does happen and and you have a good time with it we have we've stopped even not so much as owner operators also but there's one one time that i was coming from new jersey and he was going to new jersey and we sit there and figured out where we were where we would meet, and we stopped and had breakfast at the at a diner. I've stopped and had lunch with Richard. I've stopped and, and I said a lot of it just depends on, you know, your time frame. But if you have, and then we always try to at least stop and say, hey, it's always because it's like you. It's always good to see a, a friendly face or or something. Um, something that, that reminds you of home. Yeah. So, what are some ways that you're able to support one another? As far as the little things, like the running joke is that if you need a place to park, call me. Jason is driving and trying to do something. Jason, Shannon, Damon, Hendrix, DJ Ponder, we're all on each other's Life 360. I'll pull them up, find out where they're going. I'll pull up a trucker path, 
And I'm like, okay, in 20 miles, you got a truck stop. It's saying that there's parking. You might be able to, do you have time to make it? And if he says, no, I can go further, I'll start looking further. A lot of times too is just talking to each other to keep in company. Just like one time Jason was parked and I still had an hour to go and it was getting late. And he stayed on the phone with me until he made sure that I was done and that I was safe. That's a lot of things that I think that as far as the community, that's important. It means a lot. I know it don't sound like a lot, but... Um, it's everything. It's a brotherhood. You still have to be humane about a lot of things, whether it's pulling over and change a tire on their travel trailer or talking to your buddy, your fellow brother. Uh, yeah, to, to make sure that they're safe. They're going into a sketchy place, whatever the case may be. And uh, those things just bring you that much tighter, that much closer. It's on a different level. It's got a depth to it because mm -hmm. you are there for each other. Absolutely. That's really beautiful. It sounds like there's never a doubt that you would be there for one another. No, then you trust your life with them. If he, if Lee tells me, don't go down that road, I'm not going down that road. I may want to go down that road, but I'm not going to go down that road because he's looking at something that I'm not able to look at because I'm driving. Mm -hmm. no. Have you guys ever <laughs> had uh, a time where you were both on the road somewhere and rescued each other? Is that a thing that you've ever done? Not in separate trucks. No, not in separate trucks, but together in the same truck. Yes. Tell me more about that. When we were team driving. So you guys would save each other a lot out of out of distress, emotional or physical distress? No. What's well, the... Uh, driving we were driving, situation, maybe. Yeah. Driving, he was... Even that, like one time he was sick. He got the flu. And we left out, he was okay, and then he got the flu. I had to... We got to switch it up. He drove... I made sure that he drove as minimal as he could. And then I drove further. Of course, we kept it... We had to keep it as legal as possible, but it was just, that was one that we did. He was just, down. and so, going to die. yeah, and I, so I drove and then he, he would drive, even if it was not the whole driving, but if he had to wait for the, while well, we had to wait for the trailer. And, and so he may have only drove a, a total whatever hours, but he was like, man, I can't go no more. I had 10 hours of sleeper. I got up, I drove, I drove for as long as I could. And then. Let him drive. You know, wow. he, he, he plays that down, that small stuff. Let me tell you, when it's at the time and you're out on the road and you feel bad, all you want is your mama and a, and a teddy bear. And he got me through it. Basically, I was it, his mama. You know, I wouldn't be his teddy bear. Oh, he but was, I was his <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, it was rough. It was the year that the H1N1 was going around. And I found out later that's what it was. And anyway, yeah, I just, I had fever so bad. I was in a flannel zero degree sleeping bag, fully clothed with the heater up as much as he could stand it. Wow. And just shivering and sweating. And yeah, it was, so it wasn't something so little, like he said, it was huge to me because whenever you lean on somebody that's man, that you look at them different. So, man, dude. You saved my life, man. That's how you feel because you feel so terrible. And it's, if they're driving an extra three hours on your part or not on your part, like he said, we kept it legal, but it was just to, to give and take away from his sleep 
and his comfort, he gave that to me. That's that golden rule. And that's there's situations like that, scenarios like that with all of us. And that's why we stay so tight. It just works. And Even you know, though if you were not... a fly on the wall listening to us, you wouldn't mm. think we were that tight. <laughs> no, you'd think we all hated each other because we're constantly <laughs> just giving each other a hard time or whatever. It's all out of love. You know. I totally. The community for you guys specifically is really special because as I was trying to plan this podcast, we were all on a phone call together because it just so happened that you guys were on the road and you were talking. So I feel like for everyone who doesn't know Jason and Lee, I'm going to tell you this community is real because I saw it play out in front of me. I really did appreciate it. It brought a sense of validation to the podcast. I I actually want to talk to you more about setting up with DJ because I remember it was right next to the ICO event and you were supposed to come down to meet me and a few others down at the Texas office and you told me that you weren't going to be there because you were going to help someone on their first week driving and I I want to know more about that. How did you make that decision and what was that trip like man that trip was an emotional roller coaster for dj but more so i chose to to ride not in the same truck but him and his truck me and my truck i said ma'am that's going to be your first week and and lily reminded me after i committed to it he said hey man we're supposed to go to fort worth for everybody coming in and i said you know what i've, I've got to bow out of it i can't go because I've made this promise to DJ, and uh, with it being his first week as an owner-operator, it's kind of like pushing the bird out of the nest. I didn't want him to, because it's tough. It's tough mentally and emotionally and sometimes physically whenever you're out there on your own and your mind starts playing tricks on you. And what's going on with my truck? Every little noise, this and that. I'm guilty of it. Most of us are as whenever, especially new owner operators, because you can't, that company driver mentality is gone. You can't rely on picking up the phone and saying, hey, your truck's broke down. It's solely on you. So I wanted to be that crutch for him. So that's why I went. And it's a good thing because he lost his engine the the first day of the second week. Oh, wow. How were you there for him in that way? And also, what was he like as his first week out? Well, you know, you, you start playing through what if this, what if it's this, what if it just needs this. And I, and he was starting small. And I said, what if it's your motor? I said, what if it's your motor, DJ? Who knows? What if your motor just went out? And he said, I'm done. I said, no, you're not. He said, well, what the hell am I going to do? I said, you're going to get in my truck. And you're going to run with me. I'm sure you'll have the option with Lee or Shannon or Richard or whoever else you can run with. And we'll make sure you're compensated fairly. And you'll roll on while your truck is being repaired. And that's what we did. It worked out. Worst case scenario happened to that dude. His pretty much his first week out as, an, as a brand new owner operator. But emotional support, I wouldn't say financial support because he earned it, but we gave him the opportunity to be able to to keep some revenue coming, and it, it all worked out. What was wrong with his truck? A blown blown engine. He had blown to have engine. a, uh, <clears throat> yeah, he had 
I forget what number on the pistons, but two different pistons went down and he had to have a what they call an in-frame, which is basically a top-end rebuild. They call it an in-frame because the complete engine doesn't come out. It's just the top side of the motor replaced with new parts and some other things. I'm not a mechanic, but they got him all put back together and we got us another load going back up there a few weeks later and dropped him off and he got in it and he's been making money ever since. So, what, after that week, he went back and got his truck. There was still uh, something wrong with it and uh, it turned out to be the, the alternator and something else. It wasn't that bad and Jason was with him, but he was freaking out and then we had already decided that we was going to pitch in some money just to get him to go on without him knowing it we'd already me me Lomi and Jason had already decided if it's this we'll go ahead and let's get ready to get a, a pull together because that's it would have been another if it was something major after that that would have just been another major blow yeah. you know to him the truck hadn't even started making money yet and then he'd already had to do an end frame then he had to do this and luckily for them I was on an app looking for truck parts looking for this around them where they were mm-hmm. and then the, then Jason happened to turn a, a curve or come around and they saw this basically a parts store and they went in there and they had what he needed and he got he put it on right there in the parking lot because he's mechanically inclined so it really worked out for him and didn't cost him near as much as it could have or what he was afraid of. Lee can testify to this one thing that we do as company drivers, whenever we're wanting to make that big switch to become an owner-operator, you pour your whole everything, because that's a huge step, because it's sink or swim. And I've heard of and seen a lot of people that have sunk. And when you're doing that, like I said, it is a mental and emotional roller coaster, because that's such a huge, that can just Make your break whenever you do make that decision and say, okay, let's do it. And could you imagine how disgusted (laughs) he would have been if that would have been it? And we would have just said, man, I hate that for you. Sorry about your luck. But that's not what we did. We all came together and picked him up and dusted him off. And he did himself. And it's been a, I think it's been a tough ride for him, but he's overcoming it. So can we talk about your specific problems that you've had on the road and how you had to handle that? Maybe when you were in DJ's shoes, when you were just starting out, how did community play a part in your trucking upbringing? Yeah, I had my truck about a month. That's how long it took for my first big issue. And it was a diesel exhaust fluid issue it was that what they call the after treatment and something had happened in my system and it started my engine started to lose power and because it it basically goes into a limp mode where it protects itself so there's nothing you can do about that on the side of the road you have to have computers and get a little more internal with it and so again knowing people is key for this business whenever you're just a one-man operation and I made a phone call to an old friend and I said look this is where I am I'm in Louisiana just so happens he he lives in Louisiana and he said I'll tell you where to go and what you need to do and who you need to see and he did and I got over there and it was taken care of it cost me about 
$5,000 to take care of what needed to t be taken care of. But fortunately, I had some money set aside where it didn't affect me a whole lot. That was taken care of just by phone calls. A lot of times it's just information that other people have that you don't have that's that's worth so much, just knowledge that you can pass on. But that's how I overcame that. A guy told me about a shop that I needed to go to because it could have been uh, really, it could have been really bad. It could have put me out. If I'd have put my truck in the wrong hands, somebody that wasn't honest, this, I knew these people were going to be honest if this particular friend used them. There used to be, you hear tales about truck drivers that would see a truck on the side of the road, would pull over and see if they needed help. That's really gone on the wayside. I feel lucky with our group that we have because we've known each other for years. And so it's just even outside of trucking and I've been over to his house and we've been to fish fries or stuff like that. Not everybody will be lucky enough to have that adopted and brought in a guy that is not even in, from Texas. He's from Oklahoma, but he still, we still, we help each other out as much as we can that way. And as far as helping him stay awake, helping anybody stay awake, there's, there's a lot of times I've been parked or Jason's been parked and we'll stay on the phone until the other person gets parked. And I said, that is just, we can't rely on everybody like that. So we were, we lean hard and rely on each other. So you started saying that this had fallen by the wayside. Why do you feel like that's more likely the case now? You hear all the old timers talk about the way it used to be. Matter of fact, when you used to be on road trips, you would tell especially if you had a female driving by herself, you would tell her, park over there close to the trucks. Nobody will mess with you. And because that's the way everybody looked out. I just think that it's a whole new generation. There's a lot of younger guys out now. They go to school for with one of these big companies mm -hmm. and they drive for that big company. And that's all they do is hold the steering wheel and go look straight down the road. What you're describing just seems like an ideal way of truck driving and also just being, right, to rely on your community to get you places, but not only that, but to get you out of trouble as, as you were talking about it, Jason. Why don't we talk about what we can do as you're talking to more truck drivers that are in the V generation, what can you tell them about what it's like to be a part of a community and why this is something that's important? Maybe if there's a message to be sent to somebody in the me generation, is that yeah. what you're saying? What message will we get? Just slow down as far as when I say slow down, slow down, not only like your speed, but just look around and think, how does it feel? It's like the golden rule out here. And with the golden rule, you treat others how you want to be treated. And it's just so simple. And if you can do, and it's hard to do, it's hard to do, especially in this line of business, but it, it just holds true for anywhere you are. You treat others the way you want to be treated. And man, wouldn't it be a great place if everybody would stop and slow down a little bit and just think about that phrase. The world would change if everybody went by that. But, and not only like our group, it gets a little bigger, it seems, every month. Like there's new guys that are wanting to come in. They may know Damon or they may know myself or Shannon or whoever. And we talked to a guy yesterday for probably two hours that's super interested in what we've got going on over here. And I say, hey, man, just, it's a great place to be. You just got to. You know, take your time and do the right thing once you get over here. But that would be my message is the golden rule. Just treat others the way you want to be treated. And I think 
so many things will just fall into place for you. And when they fall into place for you, they fall into place for other people. And do you feel like that's receptive when you're on the road, when you meet someone? Do you feel like they receive that? There are times, but it's very little. The world's changed so much just in the short time that I've been here, and it's forever changing. And it's it doesn't seem like it's going better. <laughs> but you know what? As long as we feel like it is in our group, because it's golden in our group. We're all respectful to each other. We help each other. We show respect to each other. And it works. And I, I wish that could just grow in the trucking community and be like it was, like Lee was saying, that has uh, fallen by the wayside. If that could just reignite, man. <clears throat> because we hear so many, we refer to them as old timers because they are there and we'll be creeping up on that here in the next 10 years. <laughs> but anyway, that the old timers talk about how, man, remember how it was when this and this, there were less vehicles on the road. There was less population. There was less morons or whatever, <laughs> whatever. but yeah, it would be nice to, to be able to, to rekindle that and, and to watch it grow again, because it can be a really rewarding fun job career and it is something as 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 simple and small as for example i'm gonna bring out the cb radio the truck drivers used to just all the time talking whatever else and half the time i'm guilty of it i i mine's off if i come into like bad traffic i will turn it on to see what's going on but other than that, it's off because I don't want to listen to the garbage that's on it. It's just you people can't key up without somebody's got to talk, you know, trash. In the internet or the digital age, they call it trolling. You got a guy that comes on there and like talks trash and bad mouths your mother and everything else because they're hiding behind the keyboard. Yeah. Same thing happens on the CB now. You go through, I was driving, this was years ago. I was still a company driver and I was running with this random people that I just met and we got to talking on the CB. We were having a good conversation, a good like family conversation. And then it, it was him and his wife and we were passing the truck stop and somebody told her to shut up and, and hit the B word. You know what I mean? They just wanted to instigate and hide. Of course, the, the husband got on, on the CB and was like, hey, and the guy's like, yeah, I'm over here. I'm like, yeah, like you'll ever, he'll ever find you. Just everybody talks about that major pileup when they have major pileups like that one that happened in Fort Worth because everybody is going too fast they don't have their CB on I've seen trucks go by texting even my cars a lot and trucks too they're, they're just as guilty there's just the only difference between a lot of them guys now than, than the people in the cars is they're just behind bigger and heavier equipment so compared to when you were company drivers, do you feel like having a strong network is more important as an owner-operator? We do rely more on each other, and it is more important as owner-operators versus company drivers. We rely on each other versus relying on that phone call to you know your dispatch or account manager or whoever it may be and letting them know, hey, your, your truck just... I don't know. I don't know what's going on. You become a lot more in tuned. So you rely on yourself a lot more, obviously, because of the almighty dollar. It's amazing what you can learn to save a dollar. But yes, the answer is 100%. Yes. And I think it's emotional support. That's where we rely on each other is the emotional, like him with DJ. DJ was just like down, ready to give it up. Or you get stuck at a shipper or receiver and they won't, you get there early and they won't, you're there for 
five hours and you're like, oh man, everybody's like, yeah, two and a half days. Everybody's like, dude, it'll be okay. But just just to talk you through it. And it's just something, something as simple as that. But you got to have somebody to vent to that's, that's been there and, and had the same issues and that can empathize with you. I tease Jason all the time because Jason will be one of the first people to give you a shoulder to crown. And sometimes he's guilty of when he needs it. He withdraws. You have to manage because he won't. He'll he won't bother you. I, I told him that the other day. I said he's so funny because he was the first person that if you get aggravated, and he's man, calm down. It'll be all right. But when he gets aggravated, he's like, yeah, "Don't talk to me. <laughs> I'll call you later." And because uh, <laughs> I'm not I'm not responsible for myself whenever I get in a bad way. <laughs> yeah, he, don't even talk to me. Well, we'll talk later. And then like I said, even though he he may work through that himself, but he knows that we're here when he's ready. Let's talk about family. Do you ever take your wife on the road or your kids on the road? I haven't, no. She's a nurse, so she works and her schedule's different. So it'd be hard to do that. I, I, I take that back, I lied. I took her, I had to go deliver local to uh, the Target DC and Tyler. I just live in Mineola. She rode with me to there and just took this little short trip, but nothing long and she wants to and i told her i said i don't not sure if you could uh handle it my truck would be spotless clean she'd be back there going nuts stir crazy because she's always fidgeting but i told her she'd be driving me crazy i'd be like would you just sit down (laughs) jason what about you my seven-year-old has probably got more miles on him than most grown-ups he loves to ride with me oh my god yeah, I've got to change his mind, though, because he thinks he's going to be a truck driver here in a few years. And I'm like, dude, no, you're going to college. Yeah, yeah, Wyatt and Claire. I've taken Claire. I've taken all three of my kids, not at the same time. I'd lose my mind. But, yeah, that's all I've ever done that they know of. And absolutely, they've gone, and they're champs. Uh, I did have Claire. She went with me one time. She's like, Daddy, I like to go with you on my birthday week during the summer. And I said, I know, babe. She said, I'm going to go. I want to stay for a week. Okay. All right. And uh, so she went with me. I'm not going to say that the company's name that I was working for, but we were going into a, a particular place. And she poked her cute little head out of the curtains there. And they said, how old is she? Which she was like eight at the time. They said, is she 18? I said, does she look 18? And then I said, does she need to be 18 to go back here? Oh, no. If she's not 18, then you can't go. So fortunately, I was about 30 minutes from my house, and I called my wife. She was going on her lunch break. I said, hey, I can't go in this facility with Claire in here. She had to drive out there. This lady was trying to talk me into taking her to a restaurant and dropping her off, and she'd be fine. And then I could do what I needed to do. I said, have you lost your mind? What? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Years ago, my wife went with me, and uh, we went out to New Mexico, and she loved it. I, I don't know. It's something about females. When they get in one of these trucks, they're done. Lights out. It's over. They're going to sleep. That's it. You don't hear from them? It might as well be a cat. You guys got to take me for a ride. I've already been saying this for a couple of months now, but you guys got to take me for a ride. Yes. I'll even let you drive this around the parking lot. The mine's an automatic. 
You definitely shouldn't. <laughs> you definitely shouldn't. Yeah. 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 I'll mess that truck up. He's got insurance. Don't say that. <laughs> don't say that. It's a 2022. Jason, I don't think you understand. I don't have my license. You just, you're asking for trouble, man. Oh, oh, hell no. Stay out of my driveway. <laughs> <laughs> All right. There you go. Now we're on the same page. So yeah, no, I'm definitely not you. the person, but I'm a very good passenger. Okay. okay. I will make sure that. that your navigation is right. I will make sure that you have water and you're hydrating. I'll look at the map. <laughs> okay. I'll give you candy. Like I'm an yeah. excellent make, passenger. <laughs> yeah. You, you, you make him a sandwich you're in. Yeah. Oh, I'll make it. Yep. I'll make it. it. I make a mean peanut butter and jelly sandwich. I'm going to tell um, you. The secret is a little bit more peanut butter than jelly. I'm telling you. That's how you make the perfect uh, one. I like it. I like it. Yeah, sandwiches are key in this truck. I promise you. What do you guys eat when you're in the truck? In the truck, same thing. You eat food like other humans. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, wow. truckers almost, are just like us. It's yeah, weird. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. My wife, whenever she cooks, she'll take a plate, you know, and put it in a glass Pyrex dish, whatever, and then freeze it. And so I'll put that in my freezer or refrigerator, or whatever part it'll fit in. And I'll get several different little dishes like that. Or I may bring some sandwich meat as well. The sandwiches is for lunch. Because it's something, you know, that you can quick and make real quick. You could even make it. Well, I can make mine, you know, any pullover, whatever, make it and get going. But you don't have to stop or take your 30-minute break. Normally, you do your meals when you stop for the evening. At least I do. Whether it be a meal prep or just buy frozen dinners. Meal prep, I brought, brought myself steaks, chicken thighs, whatever else I want to make it, I guess, feel like a home-cooked meal. So that's what I've done. A lot of times you get caught on that easy, that frozen dinners. Mm-hmm. Put, throw them in the refrigerator, throw them in the microwave. It's not the best yeah. for you, but it'll fill you up. Gotcha. And you guys have both a microwave and a stovetop? No, uh, no, just stove a microwave. Top. Okay. Just a microwave. They do have these, what do they call them, bunch lunch boxes where you, mm-hmm. you plug them in. So if you don't want to use a microwave, because you know how that's, those things are. But if you don't want to use a microwave, you can. It looks like a like an old school black lunch box, and you plug it into the cigarette lighter, and throw your food as long as it's got wrapped in foil or has a little foil tray that you set it in. Close that sucker up. Thirty minutes later, you got hot food. Huh? Jason and I inherited a crock pot. <laughs> Remember mm-hmm. that truck that mm-hmm. we had to pick up? Mm-hmm. They left Freight a crock pot in yep. there. Yep, they had a crock pot in there that apparently they bought that. It plugs into, I can't remember if it was a cigarette lighter or the inverter, but it was a small crock pot. And apparently they had three had a different, nice little three different pots. Yep. Remember? Three different yep. pots. You could eat, cook three different things. This is like glamping, what they call glamping. I know a little bit about glamping. I understand. <laughs> I, I think that's going to be me in the back of your truck. <laughs> it's just me glamping. Just drive me around. And uh, yeah, y'all we'll, should. We'll do it. Y'all should do. Y'all should seriously. Y'all should do ride-alongs 
there's companies out there where they'll go and I want to see what you're going through. I want to see how this is and this and that. Y'all should do a ride along, whether it's a day or a week or whatever. You, I think you'd love it and you'd have a whole different perspective on this stuff. We both have two bunks now. He didn't have two bunks before. Even that, I have a condo with basically bunk beds, so and he does too now. But nobody would have to worry about any snuggling. Okay, I call top bunk, though. Although, now I'm concerned that I'm going to be thrown off because I weigh, like, zero pounds. You wouldn't be rolling with that with the bunk down with your on the top bunk. That's not safe. All right, that's fair. See, this is how much I know. I'm glad you're volunteering for the top bunk because I was going to volunteer you for the top bunk. Yeah? (laughs) Why? (laughs) I I don't get on the top bunk. That's for my He's kids. Short. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I probably weigh as much as your kids anyway. So that makes sense. Probably. <laughs> okay, so I want to switch the topic to team driving. Can you guys give me pros and cons between team driving versus driving by yourself? Team driving, the biggest pro is when you go into the sleeper, you don't wake up in the same spot because your co-driver drives for 10 hours. So everything's halved. You can do the miles in half the time. On a regular drive, you drive a good 10 hours. So then you got to have a 10-hour break or a day and a half because you got to drive for 10 hours, take a 10-hour break, then you drive for 10 hours. Yep. When, and then the team is there 10 hours ahead of you because they don't have to stop. With that being said, being a solo driver, when you're stopped, your bed's not bouncing down the road. You're not. You're tucked in, and you're not moving. It's such a, yeah. a such a better you sleep. Don't, you don't hear. You don't have motorcycles blasting past you and horns honking. It's quite a bit more peaceful. Yeah. There's a couple of good points to teaming, and there's there's many bad. Yeah, let's get into it, Jason. How did you get into team driving? I ran into a buddy that I'd worked with at another company, and he told me where he was working, and he said, yeah, man, I'm, I'm teaming. I love it. It's great. You ought to come by and check it out. And I was like, all right. So I went by, and I tried it, and I hated it at first. It's a huge adjustment. Trying to lay down while that truck's doing 70 and somebody's hitting the brakes and all the noise and, and the bumps. Road, things you don't think about whenever you're behind the steering wheel. But <clears throat> I got into it because of him. I was like, man, if this guy can keep a job, I need to give it a try. And I did, and it took me a while to get into it, and, and I met a lot of good people. Um, I made some good money um, as a company driver because those wheels, you're getting paid for every mile on those turns. Mm-hmm. And like Lee said, you're accomplishing twice as much. Whether you're awake or you're asleep, you wake up, you're 600 further down the road. And it just makes a big difference when you have the task at hand. So let's talk about how you choose a team driver. It feels like you really have to trust this person. Yeah, you got to trust them 100% because if you don't, then you're not going to get very much sleep at all. You're going to feel every swerve and you're going to think, oh my God, is he running off the road? When I started out, I was team driving with my father and then my, and my brother-in-law. He had his quirks. He liked to look off. He was a sightseer. He would hit the rumble strip, but I knew that was him. So and that didn't bother me, but I trusted him completely. So yeah, the, that's the biggest thing. And then the hardest thing about that too is you got to find a driver. They drive in that seat 
the way they want you to drive. If you got team drivers that will, even though they might be a good driver, as far as safety, they're a rough driver. They'll speed through the gear. You'll back there rocking. You think that they're trying to drag race, and you can't do that in a big truck. You got some of them that you can talk to. And they'll work on that or they'll try to, but at the same time too, as your co-driver, you've got to be able to talk to them and say, Hey, you're killing me back there. What, you know, what, and some of them are receptive and some of them get mad and they're like, you know, you, you just lay back there. You don't tell me how to drive. And this is my time. Normally when um, they do that to you is, you start driving the way they do. All right, you want to do that to me? Let me show you how it feels. And then they wake up, man, you're like, welcome to my world. And so it begins. <laughs> yep. Some of them are rough. Not only driving, but that with the doubles, you're talking, you also have to break down trailers, rehook trailers back into the docks and everything else, all while your co-driver is sleeping. So you got to take that off to consideration. I know that, I don't know how many docks you've seen, or even if you see somebody, people slam into a dock or slam under a trailer or or when they go to test their what we call test the hook of the fifth wheel all you got to do is tug they will pull that trailer 10 feet you know with the brakes locked and it's bouncing so like i said you got to drive like you want them to do for you try to give them the best ride you can in hopes that they have enough courtesy to, mm-hmm. you know to, to return the favor so what are your personal rules for team driving? When you get out of the car, you don't think about it. Normally you get out of the car, you just shut the door. And with the 18-wheeler, people slam the door. When you get out, there's a thing what we, what we call click it. You get out of the truck, you push the door until it clicks. There's no slamming. Then when you get in the truck, you pull the door until it clicks, roll your window down, reach out and grab it, and give it a quick little yank, and it'll close the door. It'll be completely secure. And you don't have to slam it. Just that's one of the rules. That's one of the easiest ones to overcome. I had a co-driver that would excuse was, I'm not as good a driver as you. And I'm like, just try. I felt like I was in one of the little baby swings that rocked back and forth. That's what I was in every time he went through town, red lights, stop lights, and then traffic jam. And he was one of those shifters that if the traffic moved up 10 feet, he would be in like six gear by the time he hit his brakes again. And there's, that's just no, no sense in that. A good thing to do is you just lay the rules down from the beginning. One of my number one rules, drivers thought I was just trying to be a control freak, but I would have them take their boots off at the front and leave their boots there. Because as a truck driver, as anybody, you walk through some nasty stuff. Your shoes are nasty, especially these fuel islands getting oil and diesel and God knows what else on your boots. You don't want that back in the sleeper. That's your bedroom. And then mm-hmm. you, you get up and you put your feet and it's just nasty. And I said, I do that for cleanliness and I do that to know that whenever I go inside that I come back out, I see your boots sitting there. It's clear for me to take off and not leave you here. Now, you have to be careful because there's been guys that have been left. Hey, man, you took off, and, and I was in the store. I didn't know because you had your boots back there, and you didn't. The curtain was closed. I had no idea. thought you were still in here. My, my co-driver left me at a truck stop. Oh, no. And the funny thing about it is I saw him. I talked to him as he was filling the truck. 
to go to the store. The curtain to the sleeper was open. Got in the truck and just took off. And I called him. I was like, hey. And he started laughing. I was like, I, I don't find it funny. I was like, dude, the curtain was open. I was like, you saw me leave the truck. And he was like, well, I just looked back there and he saw the covers just bust up. I thought that was your feet. So I just took off. But uh, yeah, he left me. He had to come back and get me. Luckily, I had my cell phone on me, or he would have made it to Dead Gum San Diego and then realized I wasn't even in the truck. Do you guys have rules to make sure that that is in place, that you don't get left? The boots is one, and then the dead curtain should be a big, you know, eye opener for anybody. Yeah, dead giveaway, because if you're back there, especially if you get stuck on the night shift, you're sleeping in the day. So obviously, you have the curtain drawn. And then uh, there's just some people that just drive with their heads up their backside, and you can't really help that. That's really great. You were talking about that you team drive with other people. How is it like to be vulnerable like that with people that you may not know as much, especially in close quarters? Like, how do you not get cabin fever? You do get cabin fever. You're either you're either driving or you're sleeping or you're laying back there trying to sleep, being miserable, worried about how sleepy you're going to be once you get up from not being able to sleep. And then you got to drive. But five minutes into driving, you could go to sleep. But relying on somebody i think that was your question or having to rely on somebody that's not as knowledgeable or whatever the case might be yeah it's hard it's hard because you feel like you're carrying dead weight or maybe somebody's not helping carry you in return here's one example that you want to talk about scary i had to get in the truck with the driver and go back from atlanta to longview and he was telling me about he was in his maybe late 60s, early 70s, telling me about his open heart surgery. And I looked right at him. I said, do you want me to drive all the way back? Because I was just like a nervous wreck. There, this guy, he's, then he laughed. He goes, no, that's been two years ago. I'm like, start with that. Because <laughs> as far as <laughs> yeah. I'm concerned, it was just, just a few months ago. I was like, you know, start with that. I don't say my open heart surgery because I was ready to like, dude, you just get in the back. I'll drive. I'm not doing it. So. Yeah. That makes sense. They are your lifeline when you're out there. You're trusting them. That the team driving deal, it, it's it. That stuff. It was only peaches and cream. Whenever you're riding with one of your buddies and you're getting along and everything's good and all that good stuff. But whenever I first started teaming, I was bouncing from truck to truck, and you don't know anybody, and it's terrible. And uh, I happened to ride with this one guy. And Lee, I'm just going to say a couple of things and you're going to know who I'm talking about. I'm not going to say his name. I'm not going to say his nickname. But this guy was large. He was a large individual and that's okay. I'm large myself, but he was a whole lot larger than me. And whenever you rode together, this dude brought everything but the kitchen sink he would pack in that truck and it was like man why do you need all this stuff and oh my god like unbelievable bags of medicine just bags i never knew what was in them but it felt like bricks it was just like oh my god he just kept handing me stuff and handing me stuff and i'm like where the heck am i gonna put all this stuff you don't want to put it on top bunks you hit the brakes and it hits you it's gonna kill you it's it was just unbelievable. It's like he was a hoarder driver. And so the 
what the worst part about riding with this individual was you're up close and personal. You're in a box together for three, four, five days, whatever it is. And his hygiene was it was it was lack not of. good. It, <laughs> lack yeah, of hygiene. It, his lack of hygiene was yeah yeah it was poor and uh, couldn't always control certain functions. I'm a neat freak anyway when it comes to my truck and other things, but especially my truck. I want my truck clean. I want it tidy. Everything's got its place. I have my moments where things get out of order, put them back, whatever. He, he wants a seat dry. <laughs> I, I like a dry seat. <laughs> I like a dry seat. So I, I, I don't feel like you're asking for too much. So No, <laughs> I don't think so, but I was in this case because I go to get in the seat and it's wet. Oh, yeah. no. Yeah. And what do you do? You, do, you, do you change seats? No, can't do that. You can refuse to drive or you can just suck it up. I don't even want to say suck it up. Just go on. Just So I had a towel. I put a towel in the seat, which I'm a big towel in the seat guy anyway. Threw a towel in the seat, sprayed everything with Lysol. And he's, what are you doing? I said, man, I'm just a germ freak. And like, he didn't know. I'm like, you just pissed the driver's seat. And now I've got to drive 650 miles. And so you throw your seat down in your saran wrap or whatever else you can get a hold of, plastic bags, and you go. And then whenever it was time to switch out, this guy would take a good hour to get going. It was like end of the world. You just... Uh, his speed was very slow. So whenever we're getting changed out, I go in the back and I flip the mattress. I spray the mattress with Lysol, flip it, spray that side with, with Lysol. And then, okay, this is my side. So whenever I'm done sleeping, I flip it back. Okay, this is your side. And when, whenever we got back from our trip, I got a new mattress. I was like, mm -mm, no, but... Yeah, that's the kind of stuff that you get to deal with in teaming. It's not always great. So you never actually talked to him about it? No, it wouldn't have done any good. But I didn't make it easy for him either. He made it tough for me, and I made it tough for him. The golden rule was out the window that week for me. I made it to where he never wanted to ride with me again. And he was a nice person, but I think it's disrespectful whenever you're going to be that much of a pig and a slob, and nasty, and uh, anyway, we got back, and he said, well, it was real, but it wasn't fun, and I don't want to do that again. I said, feelings mutual, buddy. That was wow. It. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that, there's some, there's that makes some sense. Pretty, pretty good, pretty good horror, horror stories out there. Mm, nastiness. Is that Some your worst one? Are, no. I would have to say, I yeah. mean, in a different way, remember, me and that other guy, we got into it on Interstate 5 on the side of the interstate, and we about came to fisticuffs, and it didn't happen, but it was a long, quiet ride from California back to East Texas. <laughs> what was that one about? Um, control, riding with a control freak, somebody that was trying to be a control freak that, that was new to the way that things had been done for many years and coming there trying to change things and telling I was the senior driver in the truck 
and he was trying to tell me how I needed to change things and just monitoring certain things and issues. Basically, you know, that would be only. like us walking in, trying to tell you how to do your job. Yo, you need to do this. You, while you look at us like we have two heads. That yeah. happens a lot. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, and you're saying already, you already get cabin fever, whether you like the person or not. So, mm. yeah. Yeah. Or, yeah that- or would, if you don't smoke and you get stuck in a truck with a smoker that throws in there and you can basically oh. you don't have no choice because and he takes two cartons of cigarettes on a four day run and goes through <laughs> almost every one of them. So for a non smoker, it's horrible. You just you smell like an ashtray when you get home and it's just crazy. Then they they'll smoke in the bunk. When you're like Jason was jumping from truck to truck, and then when I started out, kind of, not as bad, but because I ran with my dad and then my brother-in-law. But when I got stuck in another truck, I had to deal with that. Of course, then I had another brother-in-law that when he started, he smoked, and I told him not in my truck. And of course, he was like, "How can he tell me that I can't do that?" And my dad was like, "He's a senior driver. That's his. That's his office when you're starting out. So you don't really have much say." That was the best part of it. I guess one of the things that is, gets better with age is vaping is more of a thing. I don't want to see it. Don't want to smell it. We both we're both non-smokers, but but chew tobacco. Damn. But that's another thing too. They'd be like, "Well, I cracked my window," and then they cracked their window. But the only problem is when they got that window cracked. It's circulating air. This is just a curtain. It's just a thick curtain. There's nothing going to stop it. So basically, that cigarette smoke goes from the back, circulates around through the, the sleeper and everything else. And yeah, mm-hmm. that might be trivial to some. If you're driving through Phoenix in the middle of August when it's 120 degrees outside, and they crack that window about three inches, and all your air comes, all your cold air comes from out of the back. So guess what? You're hot and you're awake. And you're not going back to sleep, and you're miserable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you got to drive again in four, five, seven hours, whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. I... Then you just lay back there and get mad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it seems like there's a lot of unsaid things that happen on the road when you're with someone that you don't, that you can't really be open with. Yes. Yeah. You you become either really close friends or really close enemies. Yeah, have you ever had a trip that's that was just eh, nothing bad happened, just like a like straight up no, just wouldn't do it again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Uh, you don't click too. There's a whole thing too. You got to click whether whether it goes you know good or bad. You still got to have a a chemistry. Whether y'all can you know tolerate being in a box for four days. And if you can get by with that, then that's fine. But there's just some people you come on and you're just like, it gives you that vibe. I just, just don't got a good feeling about this person. And then you don't ride with them again. No hard feelings, just it ain't happening. The ongoing joke in team driving, I don't know if it was everywhere, but we did at the particular company we were at. But we called it being married. We're getting married. We're going to be together. Because <laughs> you're together. You're living together. You're eating together. You're smelling each other. You're you're together, and then whenever it doesn't work out, you call them, tell them, man, I we're we're gonna get a divorce. Yeah, <laughs> you know, we don't want to be together anymore. 
So yeah, let me let me ask you a question because maybe this is a, a profitable thing that we could do. Is there are there quizzes that we can take? Like maybe this is like a dating app for truckers to <laughs> to do team driving. I like a psychological profile more than anything. Yeah, there's definite questions. Is this guy a smoker? Because there's some non-smokers that yeah, man, I'll ride with the smoker. I don't that don't bother me. And there's others like me that are absolutely not. Mm-mm, don't even look in my truck. Don't think about it. <laughs> you know. Yeah. But yeah, there. But the no, there was never any. It was all informal. Hey, can you handle this guy's blah blah blah? He lives here. This and that. That type of deal. But yeah. Uh, so you never as, really knew, right? You mm-hmm. didn't get to pick someone and say, okay, I'm going to meet with this person. They have these kinds of habits. Yeah. You may, pick a, you may pick a. You may have left with one guy that you're taking to the East coast to get out of your truck and another guy that you've never even met, never seen him a day in your life. And he's going to get in your truck and ride back to East Texas, or maybe even go on to California with you or something like that. And you may have the best trip you've ever had in your life, or it might be the most memorable trip you've ever had in a bad way. Like I said, when you're dating, everything is new. You maybe not want to be, you're totally yourself and then as you start to get comfortable with the person you start to relax more and some of your idiosyncrasies come out and then whether that person can handle it or not and you know then they're like wow what who who did where did you come from who have you been and that is a, a, a lot on team one or two runs when you run with them a month or two then you're like oh what, what did i get into i got to get him out of my truck this guy's crazy and uh, so it's like I said, it's all trial and error because everybody can put on a show for a short period of time. Yeah, I feel like this has to be this is a profitable thing for sure. A, a <laughs> quiz, a dating quiz or something along the lines of that for truck drivers to find their perfect team driving match. So I just wanted to ask a question when you're team driving and you're not driving, did you ever have FOMO? Like you're missing out on beautiful sights to be seen or fun conversations you could be having, or was that downtime really essential? There's times where it is really essential. Lee and I, we drove together for quite a while. There were times where I had different co-drivers quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Lee was hands down the best co-driver i've ever had i feel the same way about him but that's the time too is when you drive uh 10 10 and a half hours you really you don't feel like you're missing anything because especially when you drive the same route and that's what on the dedicated you drive the same route a lot of times your shift switch so the next time you get to see it but you're normally tired we'll visit for a little bit and then you got to unwind. It's just like anything else. Your sleep is, is important because it's hard to sleep 10 hours in a moving vehicle bounce, especially through some of these uh, Bossier City, Jackson, Mississippi. You'll, you can leave the mattress on some of the places. And when you drive through it, all you can think is, my God, how do I sleep through this? It's pretty important. We had a lot of times. We had a lot of good times. We would volunteer for new areas just to see different scenery and just going to different to some some really crazy places if there's a place that you send us to that we can't get into i'm not just bragging but we communicated so well each other if we couldn't get into it 
it couldn't be gotten into. We were top-notch together. We both complimented each other. And there were times where, you know, Lee, Lee can tell you that we'd be put in some bad situations where, and when I say bad situations, I so we're going to miss New Year's this year because we're working. They need us doing that or, or Christmas or whatever. And we'd make the best of a bad situation. So we'd get to a place and we might have some downtime for a day, maybe even two days. Lee, let's go get a hotel. Go get a hotel, go find us a nice steakhouse, have a beer, a reset or something like that. But we had a lot of good time and we laughed together. We cried together. We sorted the world's problems together. <laughs> we, we did. We had a lot of time together. But here's, day in and day out. There's I had two examples. It was Jason's birthday. He was down Whatever I just went in and bought like a, a little like a tasty cake or crumb cake or whatever it was. I bought him a cake and gave it to him and said happy birthday. Oh, that's really sweet, Lee. And then as far as some of the cool things for the one company we wrote for, we had to take a statue of Ronald Reagan from Beloit, Wisconsin to Simi Valley, California, Simi to Valley. the Ronald Reagan Memorial Library. Wow. That was cool. Did you get to see it when it was not? In Bell. transit? No, Aww. it was in a box when we got there. But the artist showed us, took us into his workshop and showed us a, a miniature of it and showed us where he did the sculpture. And as Jason had to unload it with the guys that um, didn't really have the experience with the, was it a reach lift or forklift to get it off? So Jason had to control the, had control the forklift. Hmm. So. That's cool. If yeah, I ever everybody... go and men- if I ever go there, I'll be like, I know someone who transported it. Yeah, go check it out. It's a really cool place if you had never been there. That's pretty neat. Yeah, they gave us a tour of it. We got to go in Ronald Reagan's you know, Marine One and Air Force One and everything else. And so it was pretty neat. That sounds like a really high pressure load. What kind of um, trailer did you have for that? The double drop. It- yeah, yeah it's the ones that you, that you see that are real low to the barely there in the ground. I, I had to go into a truck stop and I had to turn. And this thing is so low to the ground and it was a dirt uh, lot as I was turning. I was grading the parking lot. That's scary. That wasn't too bad. It go slow. Yeah. <laughs> I have one more question. So I'm curious. When you were driving together, we talked a lot about the pros. You can get a lot farther and make a lot more money. Would you say you spent then less time on the road? Yes, that was one of the things that the, why we did it. He has a mm-hmm. young family. I had a young family. You could go out and leave, say, on a Monday, because it was an all-dedicated, all-stores, and you'd be back Thursday afternoon, and you'd have off Thursday night, Friday, Saturday, and leave Monday. You could do what you you know, needed to do, and mm-hmm. I could be home. We could be home for our kids, other than being, you know, being home for 34 hours, like a lot of solo drivers do. And you see some of the company drivers that they're home, but they get one day off for every week they're out. Then they have to do their restart on the road. And we never had to do that, especially as he started solo before he went to team. I went straight to team. So it was just like, this was like, this is awesome. I just got out of the military. So I just, you know, doubled my salary in a week. (laughs) So it was like, it was great. What made you stop? Three too many Maybe four too many, let's see, one, two, three, about four too many uh, bad co-drivers. It's more than that. I'm being sweet. But I was doing some training over there. And so 
sometimes I, I would just get my feel of one one person was my friend, got him hired on, but I was like, man, you are you're just not a driver. You're just not a driver, and you're not a team driver because I'm not your mama, and I'm not going to pick up your bedding after you get done. It's not my responsibility to pick your shit up. Mm-hmm. And and that's what it would turn out to be. Eventually, it just got to be where, fine, I'll just pick it up because I don't want to see it like this. And it would just drive me crazy. And then finally, it's just, man, get out of my truck. I'm done. So what the one thing that really drove the nail in the coffin, it wasn't one particular thing. It was collectively. But the last thing, the straw that broke the camel's back, was waking up in the floor in Phoenix, after I specifically told an individual, I don't care how quick you think it is, go around it better. It's about eight miles longer. But you never know what you're going to run into in these big cities, and Phoenix especially. So I woke up in the floorboard and opened the curtains. I said, why are we in Phoenix? He said, what are you doing up? <laughs> I just crawled out of the floorboard, and uh, why are we in Phoenix? I figured it'd be quicker. I said, what do you think about that now? Mm. And, uh, yeah, it was just stuff like that. It's just, just don't try to prove a point. We know what we're talking about. If we've been driving through here week after week, sometimes twice a week, what to expect. And that right there was the that was the, the final straw, and, and I was like, I'm done, team, and I can't do it anymore. I'm used up. Well, not to sound arrogant, but Jason and I, we were considered one of the top tier. And I always tried to split us up and put other drivers in the truck with us because cause we were reliable, dependable. We knew how the system worked. We knew how everything dealing with the department stores. We, we've been doing it for years. So the way management looked at it, instead of having two good people in one truck, keep us split apart and then they would have two trucks and because that way they knew they didn't have to worry about anything we could get it done and that was the big thing more than likely if we could have came on an agreement on a run and i had a good co-driver that i didn't want to leave hanging and things would have worked out better we could possibly have still if we would have been running together possibly still been doing team for a company because of the just the way we jailed together they knew to call on us. And then it's just, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but. It... You were, you were the shining example that team driving could work. I think that's the way they, they thought because they did, every time you turned around, we was in another truck or we had a, a different co-driver or different this and that. But the flaw with their thing is you could take a good team. Okay. They, they work well together. And then when you split them, with somebody or let's say that's not up to the standard of your co-driver basically instead of bringing that person up it makes the one work harder so it don't really give them two good teams to be honest with you it just it kind of basically in my opinion it gives them they went from having like a, a good team a mediocre team then you split the good team up you got two mediocre teams yep you know because you can only do you know do so much and uh, yeah they were just worried about end results, and we they knew we'd make the end result what they wanted it to be. They actually referred to us as their dream team, and I know that sounds silly and ridiculous. <laughs> the management loved us. 
other drivers hated us or not all but a large majority because of envy and jealousy and whatever else you want to call it but we and all we did Milan was our job we did it well we didn't do anything that was crazy and go up and shine the store manager's shoes or anything like that we just did our job yes ma'am no sir okay that's fine we'll take care of it and we did what we had to do and not to mention we both have really good work ethic so when we're out of that truck we're ready to do a little bit more we want to please you and make things happen and do things the way this company wanted us to do we did love that company but it just the team driving part it just played out you could do the job that you wanted which is driving a truck and go out do your stuff and get back quickly three and a half days and then you're home not every time there were times they needed you you would go out, you wanted to make a little extra money, whatever, you'd go out again and do a double, what they called double run that week. And that would keep you away. But essentially, you had a job that you could, that you enjoyed doing and you had family time as well. So, because it was it, dedicated, it, it was the same route every week. It was the same. You knew, okay, I'm going to leave Monday morning. I'll be back Thursday evening. So you're off Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Boom. It, it was every week. You could make plans, you can do stuff. And except there was a few times where you had to do extra. We went up to Seattle. Then we got a load going back. And then they called us. So then we went had to go straight back from Oregon to Dallas. And then from Dallas to New Jersey and New Jersey back to Longview. Yeah, we ran 8,000 um, miles collectively that week. One week, legally, we ran 8,000 miles. Yeah. A little over a week, because I'm, I'm, I'm talking about just starting pretty much from Oregon to Dallas. It, would, it just changed our whole, they, of course, they called us. If something happened, we need you to do this. We don't have nobody to do it. We need to get it done. And that's what we did. So what's your schedule now? How do you run now? I, I like to leave Monday and get back Friday I don't care, you know, what time Friday, even Saturday morning if I have to, just to just to make it, you know, work. But that's just the way I like to do it. And, for example, I wanted to not have to go through uh, Little Rock here at evening rush hour. So I'm not too far from Little Rock, and I'm already staged up. I'm done at 5 p.m. today. And of course, I'll get up at 3, and I'll drive and get to where I need to be, make my appointment on time, then I'm done, you know, for the week. I'll be home, should be home, hopefully around lunchtime, if everything goes well. And now, Jason? Yeah, Jason, what's your schedule like? I'm, I'm weird. <laughs> I'll do I'll do Monday through Friday. That's my base schedule. But there's times where I'll go home, and I'll, I'll do it however I want. That's the beauty of owning your own truck and knowing what your bills are and being able to to manage yourself and so i may go out for two weeks and and two weeks to me is actually about 11 days from monday and to monday and then get home on say a thursday and then you're home thursday through monday you leave monday and then you go for a couple of weeks and um, go for till friday and then do that again till friday and then i make a week off 
and hang out with my kids, my wife, and do things around the house that I need to get done, maybe do some things to my truck. I'm taking next week off because there's some things that can't drive my truck and take it to the shop at the same time. I think of all these different things that I need to take care of and get home and take care of those things and be ready to come back that following Monday. So I I love it. I love the fact that I know I can do that. I can afford to do that. I get to have quality time with my kids, pick them up from school, stuff like that. I didn't ever do that. It was, man, you're not missing any work. And it it doesn't matter. It's okay. It's all going to be all right. You just do it how you want to do it. That's what you love about truck driving? You can just do whatever? Mm. That's what I love about being an owner-operator. It's what I love about being here is I can do it how I want to do it, when I want to do it. If I've got a doctor's appointment, that's what Lee can tell you. We schedule our doctor's appointments Monday morning because we know we can go to that doctor's appointment. Whether we got to take the rest of the day off, start on Tuesday, or, okay, whenever I get done at the doctor's appointment at 10 o'clock, then I can go out, grab a load, and start my week. Last Monday, I had a dentist appointment. I was there at 8 a.m., went home, got my truck, I was at Mount Pleasant and then took off to Florida. Yeah, Monday morning is your best time to get stuff done because you can try to make something for Friday afternoon. But the thing about trucking, period, owner-operator, something's going to come up. Anything that can go wrong will go wrong. My wife, when we first started dating, that's one of the things she asked me one time. She was like, I was heading back. And she goes, so when are you going to be home? I was like, when I get there, and she was like, excuse me. I was like, no. I said, babe, I said, I'm 600 miles away. I said, there's a lot that can happen between here and there. I said, I can't give you a time. I can give you tomorrow. I can't tell you I'll be home at 5 o'clock because something will happen, and it won't be till 7 that I get there. I had a co-driver that his wife was a planner. She'd have stuff planned for him when he got home used to drive me nuts because we'd blow a tire or we'd blow this or get caught behind a bad wreck. And I'd tell him, I said, just tell her to quit planning stuff. And he thought it was funny, but <laughs> I didn't because I wanted to go home. You know? Just True. out of curiosity, if truck driving just didn't work out, if it just, you didn't make enough money or maybe you got into an accident and totaled your truck what would what would you be doing right now what do you think you would be doing probably be a model (laughs) (laughs) okay maybe a hand model maybe a hand model jewelry or something where you couldn't see my face because i'm kind of ugly but but your hands are pretty apparently (laughs) beautiful hands beautiful hands yeah manicures He, he uses palm olive Oh, wow. Oh, mm-hmm. wow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is yeah. so fancy. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, really, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what I would do. A Walmart greeter? I don't know. No, I don't like people too much. No. <laughs> no. No. Nope. Did I say no? Maybe it was your fate. Maybe that was what you were supposed to do. You know what? I think you're right. Because I can promise you one thing. If I had to go to prison, I know how to survive. And I damn sure know how to stay out of prison unless I'm one of those falsely accused people for this or that or the other. You see that stuff on TV, crime shows and prison documentaries, stuff like that. I don't know mm-hmm. why, but because I, I don't want to work there anymore. But 
Yeah, but you were on the inside. You got to see Mm. all the things go down. Oh, yeah. Yeah, certainly. But uh, I don't know. What would you do, Lee? Oh, if I could, I enjoyed the medical field. I enjoyed the medical field. Unfortunately, I was with the... In the Navy, I was a corpsman for 10 years and learned, uh, had a lot of experience and a lot of skill with it. Unfortunately, in the civilian world, unless if you don't have no initials behind your name, it, it doesn't, does you no good. When I worked as an OB tech, the nurses would laugh, not at me, but they would like, they would tell me like, you're so overqualified for this job. And I told them, uh, I've been trained to do more than they could, but like, again, in the civilian world, I guess because everything is so litigious that you don't have these, these initials or these licenses to fall back on, they don't want you doing as little as possible. But mm-hmm. I really do. I really did enjoy that. And, and um kind of envious of my wife. She's been a nurse for 16 years, and she can't stand it. She's uh, going to starting to go to college to get out of the nursing you know, field. And I can't understand it because to me, that was great to be able to help to make a difference that's the way i felt that i did and she summed it up what does make it worth it is when you have a patient that you're dealing with and they actually thank you for listening to them or do anything above and beyond but again just like everything else that has became far and few between one time we went to the acute care and she went with me, and while I was in the room, of course, the nurse's station right outside, and you can hear them, you know, laughing and cutting up. And I said, that's what people in the non-medical field hear. I said, that's what makes them so angry. I said, because they sit there in, the, in that waiting room for three hours. I said, now they're in here waiting for an hour to come in, and I said, all they hear y'all is cutting up. They don't realize that you got to blow off steam, but you can work and do that at the same time. All they figure you just out there having a grand old time at their expense. Mm-hmm. Milan, all joking aside, I just said today, actually, what I would really want to do. My wife actually asked me, I think summer before last, she said, she said, if things go really well for me and, and my profession and this and that, she said, what would you want to do? What would you want to do if you could get out of truck driving? And I... Without hesitation, I said, probably a a commercial pilot. I would love to fly. I don't know why, but I'd love to fly. Interesting. Okay. So you go from ground to air. Exactly. We're actually just talking about that today. I was like, man, that's what I'd like to do if I ever got out of truck driving, to be a, a, a commercial pilot. I could see you doing that. That sounds like a, a, that's on brand for you. Yeah, maybe, you know, how they have FedEx and UPS flights and all that stuff. Maybe if uh, True North could get something together and I, hey, <laughs> I can fly packages or something. I don't know. Yeah, I'll, I'll put something True in the works. You're lucky you'd be like old Tom Hanks at Castaway. You'd be out there with a <laughs> volleyball. Well, could, yeah, Wilson! Oh, <laughs> uh, I hope not. <laughs> There's uh, Lee, always the optimist. That's what I told him, because we were talking about it. He goes, let's go to, let's go be a commercial pilot together. I said, yeah. I said, I don't think I'd, I would last long. I said, I'd probably get fired because of my sense of humor, because I said, I'd want to come on on the intercom in uh, my, my most country-sounding accent I could come up with, saying, 
yeah, this is Cletus. I'll be your pilot. I was like, people start getting off the plane. Yeah, no, I think that some of my best flights have been when they're a little fun. They're a little interesting. So I yeah. think that there's there's room in the industry for both of y'all. But I obviously we love you here. Please stay. But if you if you go, let me know and I'll I'll definitely be on your flight. Right? Yeah. No, I don't think there's gonna be any commercial flights that I'll be controlling in my near future. So you're probably safe for a while to keep us. Okay. All right. It seems like we're getting towards the end of our time. I wanted to say thank you so much. I feel like this has been so much fun. We got to just talk for a little bit, which was great. You know, just let it ride. I think that'd be a good title for your podcast. Let it ride, you know, kind of goes hand in hand with what we're talking about. Let it ride. Yeah, actually, that's a good, I mean, we haven't even named it yet. Coming to you from the True North Technologies podcast, let it ride. <laughs> okay, we're just going to put that in front. I'll edit that to the front. <laughs> the, the delivery was perfect. We don't need to do a take two. Go. Perfect. Nope. It's all there. Yeah, it's all he, there. He would mess up. The, he would mess up the take two. <laughs> I would. I, I, yeah. Yeah. Way to go, Beanhead. <laughs> all right, guys. Anything you'd like to say before we wrap up? I wholeheartedly feel like I've found my home. Yep, that's what we told Tom when we started. We're looking for a home, not just a, a job. Yeah, welcome home. You've already been here. And I've gotten the pleasure of meeting you in person, or at least Lee. Jason, you have to come next time so I can finally meet you in person. I, I won't miss it for anything. Lee I, gave me a hard time. No, I, I totally <laughs> agree. I, I think we'll see each other really soon. But thank you so much for being here. Thank you guys for being my first two guests on the show. Thank you very much. That means a lot, and I'm flattered that you wanted us to be a part of it, especially the first one and the future. Hey, we'll, we'll make it happen again if you, you know, do it again. I know yeah. I will. I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm we're, we're always here for you, Milan. We're always oh, here for you. Oh, I love to hear it. I love to hear it. Yeah, maybe one of these days I'll interview you guys separately, not to break up the team or anything, but maybe I'll get you guys both separately on the podcast. That would be awesome. Okay, till next time, y'all. Okay, bye-bye. Thank you for joining us for our very first episode of Let It Ride with True North. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and share with a friend. For more information on how True North supports real owner-operators like you just heard, follow us on Facebook at True North Transportation Co., find us on Instagram, or on our blog, owner-operators only, on our website at truenorthtrans.com. Let It Ride with True North is a production of True North Transportation. This episode was edited, produced, and hosted by me, Milan Allen. See you next time.